Hi there. Welcome to the Mind Over Muddle podcast. I'm Michael C. Patterson. In this episode, I thought I would give you a preview of some of the practical ways I think we can use the hemisphere hypothesis to unmuddle our minds and to achieve qualongevity. Qualongevity, that's my term for living long and living well. The term couples living a long and healthy life, longevity, with learning how to be fulfilled, compassionate and wise, quality of life. So this episode is a kind of a teaser, a preview of topics that I want to explore in more detail in subsequent podcasts. And I hope this preview will give you a sense of how I think the hemisphere perspective that we're exploring can be useful in our lives. Let me restate the hypothesis and build from there. Ian McGilchrist's hemisphere hypothesis is that, quote, the bihemispheric structure of the brain makes possible attending to the world simultaneously in two otherwise incompatible ways, end quote. So the right and left hemispheres of our brain see the world in very different ways. When they work together, we get a fully rounded, more or less healthy perspective. But when the left hemisphere dominates our thinking, our view of reality becomes distorted. Our thinking becomes confused and conflicted. Our mind becomes muddled. So building on McGilchrist's hypothesis, my thinking is that we can work to unmuddle our minds by restoring the balanced operation of the two hemispheres. We can learn to recognize when the balanced collaboration of our hemispheres is lost and when the left hemisphere is dominating. Then we can work to correct the imbalance in two ways. One, by developing strategies to reduce the dominance of the left hemisphere. And two, by developing strategies to re-engage and re-energize with our right hemispheres. So, those are my objectives. Let's review some ideas on how they can be achieved. So what are some practical ways to achieve this rebalancing of our two hemispheres? My first thought is mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation achieves both of my stated objectives. Mindfulness meditation ramps up the engagement with the right hemisphere while reducing engagement of the left hemisphere. I don't think I've ever heard a meditation teacher frame the objectives of meditation in quite this way, but when you think about it, balancing of hemispheric influence is precisely what meditation is all about. When you meditate, you set aside a period of time, say five to ten minutes, an hour, when you will do nothing but meditate. No business, no mail, no phone calls, no planning, no family, just just sitting. And as you settle into a chair or a cushion, you're encouraged to simply feel yourself sitting, to get in touch with your body. Then you start paying close attention to your breathing. Without forcing anything, you simply try to keep your focus on each inhalation, followed by each exhalation, in and out. In and out. Both of these activities, sitting and breathing, get you back in touch with your body and start to ground your awareness in your right hemisphere. You are focusing on your embodied experience of the present moment. Now, a second step when meditating is to notice when your thoughts intrude and you lose your focus on your breathing. 
This intrusion of thoughts, of course, is your left hemisphere trying to reassert itself. And your left hemisphere is remarkably effective at distracting you, usually to talk nonsense. Within five or ten seconds of focusing on your breathing, you will realize that your mind has wandered. So you gently disengage from the thought and return your focus to the breathing. There are various techniques for doing this, but from the hemispheric point of view, the essential idea is to recognize that your left hemisphere is talking and grabbing your attention, and then you can gently disengage and ease back into right hemisphere modes of connecting with your breathing and paying attention to the presence of sensory input. Daily meditation practice trains you in the very skills we are looking for to adjust hemispheric balance. You learn to ground yourself in your right hemisphere modes of being and you train yourself to disengage from left hemisphere nonsense. A second strategy is to be more careful about your use of language. Language is a big topic, so for now I'll just throw out a few ideas that I will develop to a greater degree in subsequent podcasts. In broad terms, your left hemisphere produces language and your right hemisphere helps you to understand language. So the simple production of language skews attention to the left hemisphere while interpretation of language engages the right hemisphere. When we use language mindlessly, that is when we accept the left hemisphere product without engaging the right hemisphere to explore the the deeper meanings, we tend to get ourselves into trouble. We mindlessly accept left hemisphere language when we are daydreaming, which is actually quite often during the day. So the voices in your head that intrude while doing meditation or whenever you are daydreaming are the products of your left hemisphere and as such need to be viewed with a certain degree of suspicion. For starters, language itself is symbolic. It consists of symbols that are meant to represent or represent reality. So language is not reality, not your lived experience. It is a commentary that your left hemisphere produces about the lived experience of your right hemisphere. So in one sense, the very use of language takes you a step or two away from lived experience and right hemisphere modes of processing and sweeps you into the virtual reality world of the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere uses language to think. The left hemisphere thinks in symbols, abstractions, concepts, The words in your head are your left hemisphere trying to figure things out. The resulting thoughts aren't necessarily complete, well-developed, or even sensible. And remember, as we have discussed in previous podcasts, the left hemisphere is a bullshitter. It feels that it has to have an answer for everything. It has to understand everything. And it rarely does. It simply doesn't have all of the information that the right hemisphere has. So the left hemisphere makes up stories and then believes that they are true. The left hemisphere confuses its stories for reality. But they're not reality. They're just stories. They're not the voices of the gods. They're not some inner wisdom of our ancient ancestors. Not a channeling of cosmic consciousness. 
nor are the stories the product of your full brain. They represent the attempts of the left hemisphere to develop abstract explanations for experiences that are often beyond its ability to understand and beyond what can easily really be explained in words. The left hemisphere is very literal about words. It understands only the explicit meaning of language. The way to move language away from left hemisphere dominance and to move more deeply to engage the right hemisphere in, in the interpretation of language, focus not on the literal meaning necessarily, but on the implicit meanings of words. Listen to the music and be open to the suggestive meanings of their poetry. Metaphors are largely the domain of the right hemisphere, so the use of metaphors helps keep the language more balanced. But there are certain types of metaphors that throw the mind into left hemisphere ways of thinking. For example, mechanical metaphors and metaphors of war and conflict are very popular these days. These are metaphors that make sense to the left hemisphere and therefore move our thinking into left hemisphere modes. The left hemisphere is comfortable with machines because they are stable, fixed, predictable. It's uncomfortable with nature, which is messy. It's always changing, always being influenced by other living organisms in its ecosystem. The right hemisphere is perfectly comfortable with the emergent flexibility of nature and therefore with organic metaphors. The left hemisphere always needs to be correct, so it is always defending its position. The left hemisphere is comfortable with metaphors of conflict and exploitation because that is the way it relates to the world. We can move away from that left hemisphere mode of thinking and into right hemisphere modes of thought by being more careful about the metaphors we use, choosing organic rather than mechanical metaphors, for example, uh, or metaphors of cooperation, collaboration, and synergy, rather than metaphors of conflict, war, and exploitation. We also want to be more mindful about how the worldviews we embrace affect the way we think. Some worldviews, some philosophies, move us into left hemisphere modes of thinking and others into right hemisphere modes. Western philosophies can be characterized as falling into two camps. One camp favors left hemisphere modes and the other favors right hemisphere modes of thought. The largest camp and the one that holds greater sway in modern culture is the one that believes that the truth, with a capital T, can be found through the pursuit of logic and rationality, through thinking. If we just think long enough and deep enough, the truth will be revealed. The left hemisphere loves logic, rationality, and the orderly progression of cause and effect. So this worldview leads us to believe that thinking is what creates truth. Truth becomes a fixed entity that exists apart from the life we experience. This is the left hemisphere world in which reality is the virtual reality created by the left hemisphere. Now, a smaller camp of philosophers believe that logic and rationality actually get in the way of our pursuit of truth. 
Logic, rationality, symbols, and words have no direct connection to our lived experience. They are, as we have said, a step or two or three removed from reality. Logic and rational ideas are representations, representations of real experience. They are abstractions, not the real thing. This second set of philosophers believe that trust in our intuition will get us much closer to the truth than will blind faith in our rational minds. Intuition is more in touch with our unconscious mind, which makes decisions and guides behavior based on vast stores of experience and accumulated knowledge. This is clearly a right-hemisphere mode of thinking. This worldview leads us to believe that truth is a process of discovery. Truth is to be found through experience, through interaction with the here and now, through trial and error, through creativity, through listening to as many different perspectives as we can. This is the right hemisphere world in which reality and truth are found and discovered through continual engagement with the lived experience. In upcoming podcasts, I, I plan to spend a fair amount of time exploring Eastern philosophies. Most of the major Eastern philosophies, or psychologies, if you will, strike me as being designed specifically for this project of rebalancing our hemispheres and unmuddling our minds. Buddhism, Taoism, and Zen, as long as you stick with the core psychological ideas and avoid the doctrines, all emphasize a grounding in direct experience, and a mistrust for spoken explanations and for abstract mental constructions. They accentuate the right hemisphere and de-emphasize left hemisphere modes of perception. I also want to mention two more topics that fascinate me that I want to explore uh, in, in upcoming podcasts psychedelics and mysticism. They both seem to have the power to thrust our thinking into full-throttle right-hemisphere mode. People's descriptions of psychedelic trips and of transcendent mystical experiences are very similar in character, and what they describe sounds very much like the world of the right hemisphere. And people who have had these profound encounters with their right hemispheres love it. They feel much better, more connected, more at ease. A profound psychedelic trip, like a profound mystical revelation, are described as life-changing events. They evoke a sense of unity with the universe and a profound sense of peace and calm. So my question is, do mystical and psychedelic experiences in some way jolt the mind out of left hemisphere modes of thinking and more or less permanently restore the proper balance and collaboration with the right hemisphere. All right, I've spent more time on this review than I intended, uh, so I'd better stop here. I mean, there are lots of other ways of connecting to the right hemisphere that I haven't, haven't mentioned, things like physical activity, play, communing with nature, and engaging in the arts and being creative. And I hope to get to all of those topics in future podcasts. To review quickly, I suggested that meditation is a great way to practice grounding yourself in your right hemisphere and learning to disengage from your left hemisphere. The language you hear when daydreaming is to be viewed with suspicion. 
It's the product of your left hemisphere just trying to figure things out and making up stories to explain things that can't really be explained with words. To ease away from left hemisphere dominance and re-engage the right hemisphere, we have to pay attention to the implicit, not explicit, meaning of words. Listen to the to their prosody, their music, the hidden associations of their poetry. And be careful to avoid metaphors that throw you into left hemisphere modes, like machine metaphors, metaphors of war, conflict, and competition. Try to replace these metaphors with organic metaphors that connect you to the living world and to the idea of symbiotic cooperation with all living things. And then we ended wondering about the power of psychedelics and mystical experiences to undertake a dramatic rebalancing of the mind, away from the left hemisphere and deep into right hemisphere modes of thinking. Well, I hope this quick review gave you a sense of where we will be going with upcoming episodes. And I also hope that you find the ideas as fascinating as I do. And I hope you will join me in this process of discovery. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Live long and live well. <laughs>